0: Hello and welcome back to episode 3 of the Braving the Wild Send Help podcast. This is the podcast for busy parents who are juggling work with managing the current responsibilities of their child with complex or additional needs. I am your host Claire O'Hanlon and I am a mom to two boys. My eldest has Duchenne muscular dystrophy and autism and my youngest has DCD or developmental coordination disorder or dyspraxia and i'm going to jump straight into it today and i want to talk about how you go to work so how you switch off your mind and go into work when you've just spent maybe an hour of your morning consoling your child who does not want to go to school and when you've just dropped them off at school with the tears still streaming down their face and you have to go into work put the brave face on and think about that are completely different to your child and it's really hard to do that because obviously your child is your priority and when they are are upset it is a, a parent's instinct to want to help them and to want to make things better for them and but you've just spent the whole morning doing that and you haven't been able to do it. And you've sent them into school, and they're really upset. And now you have to go into work and think about X, Y, or Z. <laughs> X, Y, or Z. You still have goals to achieve. You have tasks that you have to do. And you know, as you're driving into work. You're feeling like a failure. You feel an immense guilt around not being able to support your child about leaving them there when all they want is to be with you and to feel your love and all you want to do is to wrap them in your love and let them see how wonderful and how special they are and you wish that they could see it for themselves. You're driving in and you're second guessing yourself and you're filled with self-doubt. You're wondering what you're doing wrong because you see all of these other parents dropping off their children and their children are happily skipping in through the school gates and they're all smiles they're out in the playground they're playing and you're watching your child walking in and his shoulders are all up he's slouched over and he is not happy and you feel you know like a failure as a parent maybe even a failure as an adult as a human that you haven't been able to make your child happy no matter what you do even though you've tried your best and you've done everything you possibly can and it's really really hard and then what tends to happen is you get into work and you can't stop thinking about them and then you can't focus on maybe you'll make mistakes and maybe you become withdrawn And I mean, that can be really detrimental because for a lot of parents who are managing work with children with additional or complex needs, sometimes work is your only social activity. And if you're feeling withdrawn, then that leads to higher levels of isolation for you as well, which is obviously then detrimental to your mental health. It's detrimental to your self-care and actually could result in you going home feeling really frustrated, very angry even, maybe even resentful. Um, even though you love your child to bits you might be feeling a little bit resentful and then of course that ends up with you Getting angry over something little that they've done whenever they get home. So you react to things in ways that you really don't want to. And then you feel guilty for that. And then you feel like a failure. And it's like a vicious circle going over and over and over again. So, suppose what I really want to do today in this episode is to start a conversation or gain a little bit of momentum, maybe normalize the conversation around working while managing school refusal or school anxiety and i just want to make clear here that i'm not talking about children who just don't want to go to school so my eldest he never wants to go to school but he doesn't have anxiety around going to school he doesn't get upset in the morning about not wanting to go to school he asks me all the time if he can stay off but when i tell him he has to go that's it he goes and everything's fine whereas my youngest is a completely different story he Since he was in nursery school, he has had real school anxiety and has never wanted to go. And I remember when he started nursery. So he started nursery in September. And I remember specifically March of that same, well, into the next year of that same school year. I remember walking out with the biggest lump in my throat. And I was trying so hard to hold the tears in because I had just spent 45 minutes in the house that morning, plus the whole car journey to his nursery school, trying to console him, to tell him that he was amazing and wonderful, and that, you know, yeah, just really, I to trying to console him that it was okay to go to school, because I had to go to work, and I remember walking out that morning, uh, with as I say, with the biggest lump in my throat and trying to hold in the tears because there was another mum coming, walking in. They were late coming in. And I remember trying to hold it in so hard because I didn't want her thinking, oh my goodness, he's been in school long enough. Has he not not settled yet? He's been in nursery since September. It's now March. And I got to the car and I just let it all out. I just bawled my eyes out in the car because at this stage, that was like, seven months so for seven months every single day I had to try to build up my child's self-esteem and to console him every morning for seven months at that stage and it had all just boiled up in me and it just all came out in that one day while I was sitting in the car And over the next six years, that became a regular occurrence. I can't count the number of times that I sat in the car park outside work, reapplying my makeup again and again and again to cover the redness on my face. I don't know how many times I had to top up the mascara. My mascara was at the point where it looked ridiculous because I was piling mascara on top of mascara on top of mascara. And I had to then go in to work. But every time I applied a new layer of makeup, I started to cry again. And so I had to keep topping it up. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to that, but um, over the years I've gone through a lot of um, top-up makeup. I should probably just stop wearing makeup at this stage. But yeah, so it can be really, really challenging. And, you know, think when I think of this morning, so this morning I woke Cohen up and he was okay for the first wee while. I was giving him cuddles and everything else. And then it materialised as soon as he... um. Got up and had eaten his breakfast. I went in to talk to him and he started telling me how he wished he didn't go to the hot tub last night because it felt really rushed because he had to go to the hot tub and then get out of the hot tub and it was cold and then he had to get into the bath and then out of the bath and Sunday's bath night in our house. And he shouldn't have done that. And I was telling him, Well, that's okay, Cohen, that was yesterday, that's past, you can't really do anything about that. And straight away it started into, I can't do this, I'm really stupid. I just don't understand anything. My teacher can't help me. She just tells me that I don't know my time's tables. And this whole spiel started. And then the tears came. And it was, please don't make me go to school. Please don't make me go to school. There was anxiety around his friends. There was anxiety around um maths, which he really struggles with, which is a part of um DCD and that, you know, work in memory. Um. We had everything he was telling me that he was stupid, that nobody liked him anyway. It was just this whole big spiel, which is, you know, really hurtful when I look at him and I see how amazing that he is. And one of the things that I'm always trying to teach Cohen is that there's always another way and that just because his brain works differently doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. It just means that you need to do things differently and that's okay. Um, you know, I'm telling him you don't have to be able to rhyme off your times tables really quickly. All you need to do is get the answer. And, you know, he and I have a new thing now where we're going to help him to learn the times tables in a different way. But even the whole way to the car, I had to again remind him constantly that he had a choice because he decided that this morning that he was going to think, no, school is rubbish. I am going to have a bad day that he probably would have a bad day and trying to convince him to think otherwise, that he can choose to think, actually, I know I'm really nervous about school and I know that I'm having some issues with my friends right now and I know that I'm struggling really with maths at the minute, but something really good could happen today and trying to convince him of that the whole way to school. And when we got to school, he was checking in the mirror to make sure that no one could tell that he was crying and on he went into to school so i had to switch from that to then taking his brother who has duchenne which is a life limiting condition um to his physio appointment so i had to switch from you know all all of the emotional issues with cohen to the physical issues with luke to dropping him off at school and then going back to work and having to work okay so it's like three hats in a very short space of time and i'm sure lots of you can resonate with that as well so What do we do about it? What do we do about this having to constantly chop and change? How do we make sure that we are able to be the best parents that we can be to our children, that we are able to give our best in work, and also that we are looking after ourselves and our own mental health and our own health in general at the same time? How do we look after ourselves? And I think, now don't get me wrong here, because the children are the priority and making sure that you get the right and that you get effective supports in place for your child is absolutely the priority. And that likely means having more meetings with the school. It likely means having more phone calls with services. It likely means joining more waiting lists as if you're not already on enough and kind of adds more stress. So, So what do we do about it? And for me, I think one of the first things that we need to do is to and it happens before. It's before we drop them to school, before we get to the stage where we're looking at, oh no, I've just spent a really stressful hour trying to console my child now I've told work. Um, and I think one of the first things that we can do happens before all that. And it's empathising with their emotions. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's a great book, um, How to Talk... How to... How to talk so your children listen and listen so your children talk. I can't remember the author, but that is the name of the book. And I highly recommend um, reading that book. But it's really great at helping you to help them to understand their emotions. Because I know with Cohen a lot of the time, he's feeling these big emotions that he can't necessarily articulate. And as well as that, I think it's also necessary to valid their emotions and to to validate their feelings and validate their emotions, and empathising with that and helping them to name the emotions, I, I have found to be really helpful. So even this morning, when Cohen is talking about different things in relation to school, I'll not go into the specifics, but when he's talking about certain things, you know, I tell him, Cohen, that sounds like that would be really, really frustrating. If that were me, if I were you, I think I would feel really frustrated about that. So that first helps him to validate the emotion that he knows that I understand and I empathize with him, which means that he's more likely to listen to what I say next rather than, you know, have a, a fight with me, you know, start an argument with me um, first thing in the morning. He knows that I get it. Um, so what I normally do is say things like, you know, Cohen, that sounds really, really frustrating. I wonder what we could do about that. I wonder how we could make that so that that doesn't happen anymore or that how we can minimize that so that it doesn't have as big an impact on you and then I'm involving him in the conversation as well rather than as I say having an argument and it's so much easier to say oh for goodness sake let's not worry about it just get dressed and get to school you know it's so much easier to do that but it's much more powerful and much better for you and for the child to actually validate their emotions and their feelings And then look at what you're going to do about it. Because even this morning, Cohen came around and felt better when I spoke to him about what he and I were going to do. One of his biggest issues in school is around the maths and the times tables. And this morning I had to remind him, even though we've spoke about it several times over the weekend, how he and I were going to find a different way to learn the times tables. And it might be different than everybody else does it, but he'll still get the answer. But before before we could engage in that conversation, it was so important for him to know that I understood him. So as I say, that's the first thing that I would do. And that kind of comes before you're sitting in the car with the tears streaming down your face. Um, Another thing that um you really should do, and obviously you would do anyway, is to let school know So after I dropped Cohen off this morning, we had to go to physio. And the first thing I did as soon as we got into the clinic where the physio is, was to message Cohen's teacher to tell her, look, he's been a bit sensitive this morning. We've had a few issues, feeling very anxious um, this morning. Just to let you know, he's having a few issues with X, Y or Z, if you could just keep an eye on him. And that helps me to feel better that I know that someone is keeping an eye on him. Because, you know, he, he's not going to tell his friends how things were this morning. But at least if there's an adult in the school who knows what's going on, she can be a wee bit more gentle with him perhaps as well. Um, another thing, the third thing, I usually like to give advice in threes and fives. So we're getting five things this morning. So the third thing that I would say is to take time in between. So if you're dropping the child off to school and then you're going straight to work, Take some time in between. Nothing in work is that important that it's worth your mental health, your sanity, your health, or that it's worth you getting so frustrated that later on you take it out on the child you by reacting in a way that you don't want to and create that whole vicious circle. So take some time. It might be that you stop and go to the shop. It could be that you just sit in the car for five minutes with the windows down. It could be that you put on your favourite song and you turn it up full blast. Okay it could be that when you get to work you go for a walk around the block before going into the building but just take a break that acts as a as a buffer between two polar opposite things that are going on in your life okay it's so important to take that break now it could be a 2 minute break it could be a half hour break for me it was recording this podcast okay that was my break in between that was me buffering the this massive emotional thing that happened in the morning with what I had to do practically later on in the morning and into the afternoon. The fourth thing that I would say to do is to prioritize, okay? So look at your diary. What do you have on today that you don't really need to do or that you can rearrange to another time or that you could delegate out to someone else because self-care is important and it's the when you have a child who you know has additional needs there is a massive emotional toll and it's like I talked about at the start of the podcast where we talked about all of that that those feelings of failure and guilt and second guessing and and self-doubt it's important that you take the time to overcome those two you know work through those and that might mean having to rearrange some things in your diary which I know is not always possible but there are lots of other things that you can do you know even if you think about if you have meetings maybe virtual meetings maybe you can do them today with your camera off okay so even simple things like that that give you some breathing space so it doesn't matter if you're sitting with big red puffy eyes no one will be able to see you (laughs) And the fifth thing that I would suggest then would be to speak up. Like I alluded to earlier, you know, some people think that school refusal is just children being spoiled, that, you know, sure, no child wants to go to school, but it's much more than that. And I think a lot of people mean well, but they just don't understand the challenges of having children with neurodiverse conditions. They just don't get it. And that's why it's so important for us to to speak up and to tell people and to help them to see and to understand that this goes way beyond just not wanting to go to school. That there are actual issues in, at play there that need resolved and that need worked through and that need your time and your energy and your compassion and your empathy. And that actually the best way that they can support you is to listen and to empathise with you and help you to work through that because that's how you are able to perform in work and that's how you're able to do your best and achieve your goals. So, and it really helps to normalise the conversation as well because what, depending on the size of your workplace, but what you might find actually is that once you open up and tell people what it's really like the real challenges are rather than you know glossing over it is that they might then put their hand up and say actually i totally get it because i have these same issues every morning i thought i was the only one i thought i was the i thought i was doing something wrong okay and then that creates a wider sense of community for you as well which benefits you and your workplace and your child so There's loads and loads that we've talked about there. But I think those are the five things that I recommend. So it's empathising with your child's emotions. And this happens long before you're sitting in the car crying. Speak to your child's teacher. Take time in between. Create a buffer for yourself. Prioritise all of your tasks and speak up. Tell people what it's really like. Tell your story. Help people to empathise with you so that you can work through the issues and be an even better parent than you already are because you're already amazing and also achieve your goals in work. I hope that you've really enjoyed this podcast and I am here to talk to anyone who is having similar issues I am planning to open a membership in the new year. If you'd be interested in joining that, please do send me a wee DM with your email address so that I can add you to the list to let you know when it's coming. Outside of that, if you'd like to work with me, I do have some coaching packages for individual parents and I also do talks and workshops for workplaces and corporates as well. So do reach out if you'd like to work with me and I will... Talk to you in episode four. Bye.